With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid. So scared to do what I wanted In looking back I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is December 18th, 2012. Tonight I have on Ken Anderson, who is the founder and author. So he's the founder of Ham's Network, and he has a Blog Talk Radio show as well on Thursday nights on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Ken Anderson is the founder and CEO of the HAMS Harm Reduction Network, a free-of-charge lay-led support and informational group for anyone who wants to change their drinking habits for the better. HAMS uh, stands for Harm Reduction, Alcohol Abstinence, and Moderation Support, and HAMS is a clearinghouse of practical, evidence-based harm reduction information and support for people who drink alcohol. And uh, so you can find his uh, website is hamsnetwork.org. And uh, before I bring him on, um, just looking at the book, it looks really good. I really am excited to bring uh, Ken on because we've had a, quite a bit of uh, people on the blogs. I created a thread called Abstinence Versus Moderation on my Leaving AA site. And so I really, uh, I think I had Ken on early on in my show uh, over a year ago and uh, I would like to just bring them on, and we're going to get talking and maybe have uh, people call in if they want. And so here we go. There we go. Hi there, Ken. Is that you? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good, good. Now, that's an interesting name for your thread on your blog to call it Abstinence Versus Moderation. Now, when we look at things from the harm reduction perspective, yeah, we say abstinence is one way to reduce harm. Mm. 
and so we always say abstinence is a form of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. If you're driving a car, if you're a driver of a car, well, one way to never have an accident is to never drive again. Just give up driving. <laughs> if abstinence from driving, it reduces the harm from driving a car. The other way, of course, you know, we have seatbelt laws. You wear a seatbelt, so if you are driving, if you are in an accident, that's a harm reduction device. Right. So that reduces the harm that you might suffer if you do get in an accident. Yeah. So there's different ways to approach reducing harm, but certainly mm-hmm. quitting a behavior, quitting any behavior that has risk attached to it, that's a harm reduction approach. Well, I, I'm coming from, you know, sort of someone who was in AA a long time, and the harm reduction for alcohol for me was a new concept and a refreshing one. And so oh, there was a thread on recovering from recovery when that blog existed for a few months. And we actually put it up there and it got a lot of action. So another blogger said, hey, why don't you make a whole, give it its own page. And it got so much activity, whether or not people were writing, it was getting a lot of views. And and then one guy decided that he was going to actually document after 17 years of abstinence and then leaving uh, AA, he was going to, he went to harm reduction. He went to probably your chat meetings and then learned, um, you know, some of the tools, even though he had been abstinent, right? He didn't want to, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't believe what they had told him. So that's kind of, but it's interesting that it is true that it is a form of harm reduction. Um, but I think that it's too much, there's too much um, rah-rah given to it. And that if people drink a substance that has alcohol in it, that they're, you know, given a lot of, well, you're, you know, you failed and all that other stuff. And I really don't want to give actually even my own bashing of AA a lot of time because I'm reading your book and I'm looking at it and I'd like, there are people out there that want to reduce the harm from, I know there's a blogger who was a heroin addict and there's people out there who are really talking about this. So let's, you know, where do you want to begin? I mean, I see, uh, let's just start out with, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to pursue this a little bit more about just what is harm reduction, and we're just going to be a little bit logical about it. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the opposite of harm reduction? We already established abstinence is not the opposite. It's a part of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. What's the opposite of reduction? Mm-hmm. It's in- increase. In- increase, right. Increase. So harm increase mm-hmm. is the opposite mm-hmm. of harm reduction. Mm-hmm. So if you tell someone... Uh, you haven't hit bottom yet. You have to go out and drink more. Um, you have to do more research because you're not ready yet. Uh, how many times have you heard this suggested to people? Yeah, I well, heard this a lot. Yeah, we've said a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You need to harm yourself more to learn the truth. Wow. Now that's a harm increase approach, and uh, that doesn't sit well with harm reduction. We say no. If you can make small positive changes, you know, even one small positive change, uh, say, instead of using a contaminated needle, you shoot your dope with a clean needle. Mm-hmm. That's a good change. We say that's a good change. And we see people that make that one small change of deciding to use a clean needle, um, 
they get involved, and pretty soon they want to make another small change. Even if they don't, they really reduce the risk of spreading HIV just by that one small change alone. So it's a victory by itself. But lots of them like to move on to make another small change and another small change, and suddenly there's a big change. Right, but yours is with alcohol, which I think is really interesting and I think is the thing that I would like to see uh, promoted a little more and, and even in the courts. Have you ever gone you know, to the courts? Do you have a pamphlet that you could give out so they could stop always talking about you know, abstinence when someone gets a DUI? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we do have a trifold for hams itself, and we're starting a new one, a new trifold with uh, hams, Moderation management and smart recovery all in the trifold because uh, we all talked with each other and said that we would like to pass these out to uh, to uh, psychotherapists in New York City. Oh, so good. We have, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to start this initiative sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been busy, Monica. You don't know about everything that's going on in my life. No, tell me. Um, I started a full-time job uh, recently at the Lower East Side Harm Reduction Center. Mm-hmm. And that is a needle exchange program. And, of course, we do lots of other things. You know, we do case management and we do buprenorphine. It's a substitution therapy. We do medication management. We have drop-in, you know, for people to get off the streets. Um, So it's it's a really good place. I've I've been, you know, friends with them on and off for the past several years. And, uh, you know, if you read my bio, I uh, did work in needle exchange in Minneapolis, too, to study harm reduction so it could be applied to alcohol. Right. So that's uh, it's really exciting for me, you know. And well, I'm congratulations. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you got that. Now, you have face-to-face meetings in Brooklyn, don't you? Yeah, we do have a live ham meeting in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, most of our contact is online, and even most of the people in Brooklyn, they prefer to go to the chat room or to the email and uh, that's their preferred mode of interaction. Actually, it's it's interesting. You know, they like the anonymity, and yeah. somehow it's it's the best thing. You know, on Friday of this week, I have a guy from Korean television. Yeah. Um, he's going to be uh, interviewing me, and you know, he, he's like, you know, don't you have live meetings? And I'm like, well. Yeah, but I don't know if I can get somebody to come out on Friday because, uh, you know, most of our people do this online, and you should really talk about the online program because mm-hmm. it's how people yeah, like to do it. I you know, think we so. I would, I would even, yeah, yeah. I, I want to just jump in and say, though, that I agree with that, that I, I'm seeing with the blogging that many people, uh, whether or not they go to hams or moderation, that there's a, the blogging has really filled a need and uh, even not even live chatting you know, for people who've been around a while or not around a while, that there is, it's really working. So reading a good book and then connecting. I, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Korea, that's awesome. That's really awesome that they're interviewing you. Um, we need to get you in India, too. Do you hear what's going on in India? <laughs> oh, I haven't read the news recently. <laughs> oh, A is going after India because the middle class, and we're like, oh, we got to get smart and moderation and you in India. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay so what else you said there's a lot of going on what else is going on well i was just uh on this issue on this note that we're speaking on you know there's no reason why hams has to follow the aa model aa mm-hmm. really likes live meetings 
Um, there's a number of reasons we could go into, but I'm not even going to pursue that. But there's no reason that we have to, you know, put live meetings high on our priority. Yeah. What we found with harm reduction is a lot of people just need to get the information. They get yeah. a book or they read the information on a website and they say, oh, wait, I can do this. And they apply it. And they're doing this, one, because we're selling so many books. And, you know, when I compare the number of books to the number of people that join the online groups even, you know, the number of books is like three times or four times as many books sold. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. huge number of books being sold. And then I get emails from people who say, I read your book. I applied your program. Uh, my drinking is no longer a problem. Thank you so much. Um, and they don't need it. I mean, meetings are not necessary for many people. It's so true. Uh, uh, so if anyone's just joined us, uh, we are listening to Kenneth Anderson from HAMS Harm Reduction, HAMS Network. Uh, Ken wrote, How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. You can get it on Amazon. And uh, uh, I just opened the page, and I saw something that was, oh, no, did I lose the page? I thought it was really cool. It said here, This is the four kinds of irrational thought which we discuss here. Awfulizing, for example, really terrible. Overgeneralizing, for example, Mm -hmm. all, always, no one or never. Shooting, for example, I deserve, it has to, cannot, must. And people rating, for example, it proves that I am worthless. This is really, really, really good, Ken. Um, Yeah, this is all straight from Albert Ellis, um, who started writing about this stuff in the 1950s. He created the rationally emotive therapy approach. And he said, you know, the problem with so many people that come to me for therapy is they they look at everything all or nothing. I'm terrible. I'm hopeless. This is catastrophic. And Mm -hmm. instead you just say, it's bad. I don't like it. But, you know, I can go on and move on with my life. So, you know, you have to, instead of thinking in these black and white terms, everything absolute, no, everything is relative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really good. I want to give people an idea of what's in the contents of the book. So if I'm opening on the front page, these are some of the things, the chapter titles, weighing the pros and cons of your drinking, choosing your drinking goal, risk ranking, the alcohol harm reduction toolbox, making your plan, alcohol-free time, Coping with life without relying on booze, alcohol and outside issues, having fun with booze, like that, you are what you believe, charting and measuring, tweaking the plan, damage control, patience, practice and persistence, graduating, staying or returning, reward, praise and affirm yourself and moving at your own pace. Now, I'm not going to go on and read because it's a lot more chapters. Out of what I just read, just pick one of those that you'd like to talk about tonight so when someone, you know, they can learn something from you tonight. Well, weighing the pros and cons is a really useful one, and this has been around for a long time, since the 1960s, I think, Mm -hmm. in the the world of behavioral change. It's well studied. Uh, Sometimes it's called a decisional balance sheet. Sometimes it's called a cost-benefit analysis, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing either way. You get out four pieces of paper. Right. On the first, you, you write down the positives of your current behavior. Say it's drinking. You write mm-hmm. down the good things about the way you drink right now. Yeah. And on the second, you write down the bad things about the way you drink right now. On the mm-hmm. third, you write 
down the good things about the change you want to make. And on the fourth, you write down the bad things about the change you want to make. Now, this is uh, quite uh, distinct from, you know, traditional addiction treatment where, oh, tell us everything bad about your drug and everything <laughs> that's really wonderful about recovery. Right. And what happens is all the good things about your drug. You wouldn't use that drug if there weren't good things about it. Mm-hmm. And they all stay in your subconscious and they fester and all the bad things about recovery stay in your subconscious and they fester and pretty soon you relapse. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge that there's good things about your drug and there's bad things about your recovery mm-hmm. just as well as there's good things about your recovery and bad things about your drug. You've got to be aware of them all. If you say, oh, alcohol helps me relax, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, oh, is there any other way I can relax that doesn't use alcohol? Right. Well, there's a whole lot. There's meditation, yoga, exercise, playing video games, or watching stupid TV shows. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things you can do to relax that are not alcohol. And if you're aware, oh, I use alcohol to relax, and that was a positive of alcohol for me when you don't want to drink, then you can say, oh, here's my alternative plan to relax when I'm not drinking today. Right. And you're right. aware. And yeah. you don't, you're not walking around saying, oh, alcohol is terrible, I'm not going to drink. Alcohol is terrible, I'm not going to drink. And alcohol is terrible, I'm going to drink. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to drink. Pretty soon that's what it becomes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've opened to, it's really a nice book. So, again, we're talking to Ken Anderson, and the book, uh, for anyone out there, is called How to Change Your Drinking. This one is my drinking goal worksheet. So uh, for those listeners out there, the first one says the advantages of continuing to drink the same as always and the disadvantaging the disadvantages of continuing to drink the same as always and the advantages of safer drinking and the disadvantage of safer drinking. And I think anyone who has been to, you know, the 95% of the rehabs or already been to an AA meeting and dissatisfied that the, even the idea, like you just said, that somebody's saying, what are the advantages that someone gets to look at something in not a black and white uh, perspective is really, really refreshing. Well, it's so, so essential to be aware of you know the good things about your drug because uh, if you're not, they're in your subconscious. You know, you used the drug because there was good things about it. Um, what often happens is as you use more quantity and more frequently the original good things, you know, they're not there so much and you have more bad things. You know, just say you had insomnia and you drank to get to sleep mm-hmm. and pretty soon you needed to drink more and more to get to pretty soon you wake up so hungover you can't do anything all day long and you kind of defeated your purpose because now instead of, you know, being able to get to sleep so you can go function the next day, now you get to sleep, but you can't function the whole next day either, and you have to kind of look, oh, well, this was working really well at first when I drank a little bit to go to sleep, but now that I'm drinking, you know, a quart of whiskey to go to sleep every night, it's not working anymore. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, I know that you were a drinker, right? And so mm-hmm. for our listeners, uh, for how many years, you know, did you drink and for how many years or, or time was it a problem for you? Did you overdrink for? Um, I overdrank for about twenty years, I would say, and I have been a drinker for about close to forty years. Forty so, years. 
Okay, so, so how many years have you been doing the harm reduction uh, successfully? The last 10 years, I have basically been following a harm reduction program. I've either, I abstain five to six nights out of the week. Sometimes I go back and forth on the plan. Um, at least five nights out of the week, I abstain from alcohol completely. And when I drink, I like to drink to intoxication, but I drink safely at home. I don't drink on a work night. Um, I don't leave the house when I drink. I just watch some movies or listen mm-hmm. to some music, and then I go to sleep, although I drink. I drink a fifth of whiskey on a night when I drink, so wow. it's not moderate drinking. Wow, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's a lot of liquor. So what, is, what do you it's feel like? It's 17 standard drinks. What's that? It's 17 standard drinks, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's been consistent for, like, the whole time? It's for 10 years. Yeah. It's for 10, uh, 10 years now. And, yeah, currently uh, I'm working. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, I'm kind of blown away by that. Um, and so what do you feel like the next day? Oh, I'm pretty tired. You know, it's not going to be a productive day, the day after, you know, I drank that uh, fifth of whiskey. But, you know, I don't drink uh, when I have to work the next day. Mm-hmm, Never. Mm-hmm. You know, it has there- to be a day off, or, you know, a day I can take free to recover. And then, you know, after that, I'm ready to go for the next, you know, for the rest of the week. Mhm. I had a blogger uh, call me from Nottingham, England. I met him on one of the blogs, and uh, he had, you know, gone to AA for a long time and really felt like it really harmed him, which I'm sure it did. And now he goes to the pub where they walk to the pub, you know, so it's safe uh, <laughs> walking there and walking home. And he was telling me how much he drank and three times a week is what he does, and he's very happy with what he's doing, you know. Um, Wow. So, uh, see, I can tell you about the bad old days when I drank this much four nights out of the week. Mm-hmm. Went to work hungover, got in trouble mm-hmm. at work, all kinds of you know not good things because drinking that much four nights a week is really not good, and on work nights is very problematic. Definitely, I think so. So uh, there are so many. Uh, you know, good topics in here, um, alcohol in the brain and the body, preventing alcohol withdrawal, alcohol tolerance. Just say if somebody is just tuning in for the first time and they have been drinking uh, four or five uh, days a week, drinking pretty hard, like for the amount that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. uh, a fifth of hard alcohol or, you know, 15 drinks or whatever, getting drunk, I would mm-hmm. say, right? Getting drunk or intoxicated. Yeah, yeah. So when they want to taper, what what do you say? I mean, I haven't read the whole book, but what do you uh, talk about? They should um, maybe you probably don't tell them what to do, but can you talk about that? Yeah, particularly uh, for daily drinkers who drink. Uh, well, I've been drinking six drinks or more per day, seven days a week, for you know long periods of time. Um, or more, you know, if you've been drinking 10, 12 drinks a day for, you know, every day of the week or even four to five days out of the week, it can, it's much safer to try to taper down because you might have some withdrawal symptoms when you try to stop all at once. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you've been drinking quite heavily uh, for a long period, uh, the withdrawal can actually be deadly and mm-hmm. can kill you. Right. So... <clears throat> Um, there are different ways to uh, taper down. You can do a medical detox where they use Valium mm-hmm. or Librium or another benzodiazepine. Ativan is another one that they use. 
any benzodiazepine will help you taper off alcohol because it hits the GABA receptor, which is the dangerous one for alcohol withdrawal. Uh, but you can also taper using alcohol itself. Mm-hmm. There's actually a guy that did a study uh, in an inpatient detox unit where he compared using uh, Valium, I think it was, a benzodiazepine-like Valium, against using alcohol. Mm-hmm. And they work exactly the same. They yeah. work exactly the same. So the clinical results are, the only difficulty is some people have a lot of problems controlling, you know, and, and cutting back gradually. Not everyone does. Mm-hmm. Some people can cut back gradually quite easily. Um, so lots of people succeed with home detox. We do recommend if you start having, you know, major bad symptoms, you know, you, be- you better see a doctor. Um, sometimes it's much safer to do the detox under medical supervision. But the majority of people can taper on their own. We recommend going to something low alcohol content like beer because it's a troll. Mm-hmm. and say you've been drinking 17 drinks a day, usually you can on your first day go to 10 drinks, 10 beers. The next day go to 8, 6, 2, 8, 6, 4, 2, 0. Wow. So you can use, you taper off on that schedule on your own. Uh, you don't need to get alcoholism on your medical record, which is the, that's the huge thing people are scared of. They don't want yeah. that. Right, it screws right. up their life forever. Yeah. Mhm. I, yeah, I know. It's really, it's really true. Uh, we are talking to Kenneth Anderson. He has a website called HamsNetwork.org, but he also is the founder of uh, Ham's Harm Reduction for Alcohol. He has a book that I am looking at right now. Very good book. How to Change Your Drinking: A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's a second edition. Uh, I'm looking on your website right now. So again, it's Hams H A M S Network dot O R G, and uh, you have a chat meeting. What night of the week? Every night of the week. Oh, you have one There's every live night. Chat. Okay. Yeah, seven uh, days a week we have live chat. At 8 p.m. Eastern time. No. no, no. Uh, Eastern is 9 p.m. Um, Pacific at 6. Okay. And um, so there you go, guys and gals out there listening in chat world, <laughs> in the Internet world. There is a live chat, and it's uh, seven nights a week at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time, so it's uh, 6 p.m. West Coast time where I am. And, um, you know, it's just really, it's a good website. So And there is a face-to-face meeting, but like Ken is saying, um, a lot of people just prefer to go online. and um, Yeah, they either go to the chat or they go to the email group. And the email group is the most active of the three. That mm-hmm. is the most active. And, you know, people can just send an email, and it goes to everyone in the group, and people can reply at their leisure. So you can send an email in the morning, come back and check and see what the replies have been in the afternoon. There's about 20 messages a day on the average on the email group, so it's not overwhelming, but it's not dead quiet either. It's a nice medium range, and then a lot of people do like the live interaction in the live chat. Yeah. So that's the yeah. next most popular thing. Okay. Um, I want to just put it out there that if anyone wants to call in and ask you a question, it's 818-475-9211. Again, 818-475-9211. I'm talking to Ken Anderson. You also have a show on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday night at 8 o'clock, right? Yes. Is when you have your show. Um, usually, usually on Thursday. Um, 
this week coming up, we actually have two shows. We have a Thursday and a Friday because I couldn't accommodate the other person. Right. Who's uh, going to be on, on your Thursday. show this week? Who's going to be on? And on Thursday, we have uh, Sandra Brown, who is talking about relational harm reduction and what to do if you're involved uh, romantically with a psychopath. Mm, so oh that's, a, that's a yeah. big jump, but it's yeah. a really yeah, interesting topic. Yeah, I know. I topic. have people contacting me that about that men they meet in AA. Okay, wow. I'll turn. Mm. Okay. And then Friday, we have Eddie Jaffe, who is a professor. Uh, He's in California. I forgot what university he's at. He's a he's an addiction expert. I was looking at his blog, and he had some really uh, progressive ideas. So I said, I like this post. I'm going to invite you on my show to talk. You know, this is one thing I want to say now. There's more and more therapists and uh, academics and people in the mainstream yeah. that are adopting harm reduction ideas. Um, you know, ten years ago, you you just wouldn't see it. Now mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. lots of therapists and lots of academics that will say, "Oh, harm reduction. There's good things there. We we use things from harm reduction." Wow, that's that's really good. Um, I wanted to talk to you. So when you make the pamphlet with uh, Smart and uh, who else did you say you were going to do it with? MM. So oh, with MM. Okay, because. I am planning on making a, a trifold pamphlet as well with all of you in it, as well as some more people, Drink Link Moderation, Donna Cornette, um, putting in Amy Lee Coy, who is developing something, um, Hank Hayes, who wrote a really good book um, for people who are ex-steppers and then want another program. And I'll probably put in something from SOS. And uh, we're going to give it to the uh, outside the courthouse we are going to put out a pamphlet that lets them know their rights. Um, again, you know, church, church and state with the Ninth Circuit Court uh, of Appeals here in Los Angeles. And I'm going to give out, so we're creating a pamphlet as well. And I'll, you know, talk to you when I get closer to what, it probably might just say, you know, you and your name and everything, but I think it's fantastic. And when it's ready, I would like to get some of those because we are going to do some activism here in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, yeah, our, no. tri- our trifold, our trifold that we're making jointly is aimed specifically at New York City, mm-hmm. because New York City has live smart meetings, live hams, and live MM meetings. Yeah, there is no, there is no live SOS or Life Ring or Women for Sobriety in New York City. Yeah, so that's why we didn't include them. Right, but right. We have mm-hmm. these three options available within our city, so that's why we're focusing on these three specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the one of the I, I thought she might call in, but she didn't. Uh, one of the young ladies who was um, had the problem with heroin, she actually from blogging and the book reading uh, was more successful with that than going to an NA meeting. And uh, so I was hoping, but maybe I'm sure she can listen to this later. Uh, for anyone listening, you can always listen to these uh, free on iTunes. Download it for free. Put it in your computer. Put it on your uh, your iPhone or your iPod. And uh, so I saw your talk that you gave. You went to the harm reduction conference that was in mm-hmm. Oregon, right? That I uh, you want to tell yep, us yep. a little bit about that? Oh, uh, I did two talks, but the one that we got videotaped. Let's see, which which one did we get videotaped? That was uh, choosing choosing your goal, wasn't it? 
you know, I don't, I don't know the title of it, but uh, you know, just what do you think uh, came out of it, or what's different about it now than you know five years ago or ten years ago at the conference? What, what do you, would you say you, you know, brought away from that that was great? Oh, that that conference was just uh, last month. That was in November. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was in November. I thought it was in October. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was just a, that was just a, like a month ago. So. But, um, well, this was about choosing the goal. This is the topic. Since I wrote the book, I needed. I thought we needed to talk more about the goal choice. Mm-hmm. I was not satisfied with the chapter on goal choice in the book because the goal choice chapter in the book kind of treated all the goals of quitting, safer drinking, and reduced drinking as, you know, equally weighted choices. Yeah, uh-huh. But the reality is uh, very few people have uh, an internal struggle that says, oh, I want to be a reduced drinker. No, I want to be a safer drinker. No, I want to be a reduced drinker. No, most people, you know, when they want to do harm reduction with the alcohol, yeah, I want to reduce and be safer. You know, those those two are not in conflict. The ones that people have a hard time choosing are should I quit completely or should I work on the harm reduction goal, the controlled drinking goal? So Mm -hmm. those are the ones that are in conflict. So we wanted to focus a little more on that. And what is, I mean, how can we help you to choose what is best for you? And actually, in in reality, there's a a third goal, which is a moderate drinking goal, Mm -hmm. which is actually different from a reduced drinking goal. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about, about moderate, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, when you talk about moderate drinking, people are usually talking about some specific moderate drinking limits that are defined by, say, the government. The government says men should have no more than four standard drinks in a day, no more than 14 in a week. Women should have no more than three in a day and seven in a week. Uh, these are pretty accepted uh, moderate drinking limits in the United States. But what about the guy that's been drinking, you know, say he drinks 20 drinks on Saturday and says, I don't want to do that. I want to drink 10 drinks on Saturday. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's not he's not being a moderate drinker because moderate drinking would be only four in a day, but he's cutting uh-huh. in half, so he's definitely uh-huh. reducing. So it's definitely reduced drinking. It's a hard goal as opposed to a moderate drinking goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh I certainly would like to hear more discussion of it. I went to court because of the Carla Brada murder case, and I was sitting in the courthouse, and there were a lot of young people. It was really kind of sad because, you know, we just sat there and waited all day, but um, that wasn't the sad part. The sad part is that the judge kept talking that they were not allowed to have any controlled substances or been or be around them. So this was one young person after another, and I swear to God, most of them, 90% of them were under 24 years old and uh, were of brown color and uh, not black, brown, you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. and was talking about this. This is why um, it, it really is part of my activism down the road, and it's not going to be far down the road to address this in the court system because he's telling them that not using, to not use controlled substances, can't go near people who are using controlled substances. This includes alcohol. This includes marijuana. But they can use prescribed pills, medication. Those are his words, prescribed medication. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, great. Mm-hmm. So 
one of the worst things that's being abused are the pharmaceutical drugs that you need a prescription for. Mm-hmm. And so he's now setting up a whole generation. Instead of when the first time somebody gets in trouble and they're caught with, you know, uh, and most of them were not meth addicts or were, you know, uh, I mean, I just sat there, Ken, and was like, do you even hear what you're saying, Mr. Judge? Do you even hear what you're doing? That you're saying to these kids, these young men, that it's a better to take pharmaceutical drugs and you can't go near your friends who are going to have a beer, right? Or smoke mm-hmm. some, uh, we're in California, where medical marijuana, you know, is legal. And uh, that it, this is a better thing than uh, trying to teach them moderation. And, you know, harm reduction, I think, is part of it. But I think moderation really, we really need to get away from the all or nothing, the AA thinking of abstinence. And, I mean, I, I sat there and I was like, what, what are you, in like prohibition? It's like not the 1930s. <laughs> Well, you're just reminding me so much of a topic that came up at work today. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually doing staff development day today, so we had a lot of discussions. But one of the things that came up in discussion, you know, a lot of people we work with are homeless. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of requirement that, you know, well, you, you have to have six months of sobriety, abstinence from alcohol, to get oh. housing. Wow. And, you know, my colleagues were saying, how about all these guys in their in their Park Avenue penthouse apartment? Shouldn't we require, require all of them to be absent from alcohol too, or mm-hmm. kick them out on the street and make them homeless? Yeah. No. If you're, if you're a billionaire, you have a different set of rules. Is that right? Right. Right. Well, I I think that the word sobriety has been hijacked, like Stan Peel says, by alcohol oh, anonymous. And I think that that is why, uh, as I have been deprogramming from AA that I refuse to say alcoholism and I'm using alcohol and drug overuse. Those are my new words. And uh, sobriety, I don't use it. Um, uh, that if Because sober, I was just re-listening to a Stanton Peel show that I did a while back, and you know, people are sober who, if somebody has a drink or two or a glass of wine or one beer, they are not, um, they're not drunk, you know, and uh, it wears off quicker than most other drugs, you know what I mean, especially alcohol does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I really, uh, I don't know, I just, it's really what you just said to me. I mean, it's like, what? Like, they have to be six months sober, so that means, oh, they have to be in that program? Oh, that means you're talking about sending them to a religious cult? Mm-hmm. They uh, have to at least say, you know, I. they have to at least... Whether it's true or not, they have to say, "I haven't had a drink in six months. Give me a house," you know. But well, I, I heard they changed here. that though, Ken, here in Los Angeles, because there was such a problem that I heard that I don't know. You know, I mean, I would think it's true. It was reported that they somebody started another program with the homeless that it no longer was a criteria that they, you know, had to be sober, right? Or you know, abstinent, mm-hmm. um, because they found that many of these people had a mental illness that they did not have drug or alcohol problems, really, once they, uh, you know, got other help or they got work. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, it was, I that think is, that, yes. Yeah, maybe that when is the house, That is the Housing First Initiative. Yes. Uh, the Housing yes. First Initiative is really good, but it's really small compared to sober housing. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry to use that word, but that is a standard legal word now, sober housing. Uh, so, ah, uh. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the, mm-hmm. sober housing is 
huge and gigantic, and Housing First programs are tiny. Uh, in New York City, we have only, um, well, it's called scatterbed housing. Um, there's a unit here that is doesn't require abstinence, and then in the next building over, there's one unit that doesn't require abstinence. Whereas in Seattle, you actually have an entire house where it's housing first. Um, that's mm -hmm. the Seattle Initiative. Um, I'm trying to work with them. I talked to them at the conference. Um, we're trying to... Uh, uh, I gave them my books and said, you know, use anything you can use out of my book to uh, help work on your programs. Because these people, once they put them in housing, their drinking went down radically. Mm -hmm. and got, got cut in half. Mm -hmm. And they, they mm -hmm. did... Uh, I mean, they, there's no requirements to reduce your drinking to be housed. It's just people said, you know... I don't have to chug my vodka now because I'm afraid it's going to get stolen on the street. You know, right. they, they're, the circumstances change and they drink less. Their drinking re gets reduced drastically under when they're housed. Yeah, I was talking to some homeless guys in Santa Monica one day with Amy Decoy when we were just down there having lunch, and then you know you walk outside the nice restaurant or whatever we were, and you know there were these guys, and so I started talking to them about. Did they know anybody who was homeless who had a problem with their drinking or drugs? And it was really funny because they just were like, oh, my God, we started talking about AA, and then they said they hated it. And I said, did you know that there were other choices? And they said they didn't know about that, and their eyes lit up. And I had made a little postcard with the other choices on the back of a card that says, is 12-step not working for you, that I hand out wherever I go whenever I run into somebody but I, I think it's great that uh, the three of you are going to make that pamphlet. I'm talking to Kenneth Anderson, and he is the founder of uh, Harm, Ham's Harm Reduction, Ham's Network. Um, he has a book that is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol that you can get on Amazon. And uh, he has a program that's on uh, the uh, 9 o'clock, no, 8 o'clock on Thursday nights on Blog Talk Radio. And you can also go to a live chat. It's seven nights a week, 9 p.m. Eastern Time and 6 p.m. Uh, East Coast Time. And there's also an email group uh, that Ken is saying is pretty active. So uh, we've got a couple of minutes. I want to just uh, say a few things. We've got it's like three o'clock. So I'm not three o'clock. It's we've got like three minutes left. Um, there's two things that are going to come down soon. Uh, I have a petition that is going to go to uh, President Obama and uh, Michelle Obama and Joe Biden, and it's going to go to the governor here, and then it's going to go to the senators throughout the country. And it is about stopping courts from sending violent criminals to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And so if anyone is listening to this now, it's going to be up until the first of the year, and then we are sending uh, a handwritten letter from Carla Brada's mother I'm requesting that this, these plea bargains be stopped. They create their own meetings in the courthouses downtown or wherever they want, but do not send them off to uh, these meetings or, in fact, any kind of support groups that these guys need to be separated out. And then also raising money for Carla Brada's uh, legal fees, justice for Carla on Indiegogo. Um, so... Ken, I'm really happy to have you on. I'd like to have you on again. And uh, I think that it's so important, the work that you're doing and that you've been at for a long time. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with? We have a couple of minutes. 
Um, just because you were talking about sentencing people to support groups, it's, isn't this such a bizarre idea to sentence someone to a support group? <laughs> that screws up the whole idea. Sentence, sentencing means punishment. You, you're trying to tell people your behavior is bad. We don't like it. If you do this, we're going to do something bad to punish you because we're sending this message. You know, um, sentence you to a support group. That's just bizarre. Yeah, it's I bizarre, mean, and it's also not its not a professional setting. I mean, at least uh, smart, you're going to go, and you're going to have a leader there who's been trained. But in AA, it's deadly. And in, in the stories that we've collected online, and you know, these are reporters reporting, we have a judge, so they're reporting the actual words of what a judge said, that you are being sentenced to AA sessions. And I'm like sitting here as, you know, used to be a member of 30-something years and saying there's no such thing <laughs> as, an, as an AA session. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's, it's bizarre, right? You're absolutely right, but what you're doing is not. So uh, uh, you know, well, we had one guy. We had one guy in Colorado who was sentenced to attend an alcohol support group, and he said to his uh, whoever probation officer, officer, can I do this through the Hams chat room? So he came to chat and fulfilled all his required meetings in our chat room online. And, you know, I signed all his papers via email, and we fulfilled all the court requirements, but much of our conversation was how bizarre it is that you are being sentenced here. Really, we don't believe ideologically in people being sentenced to our support group, but we're happy to help you fulfill your court requirements because the alternative is a lot of bullshit, really. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, our time is up. It was really good. Thank you so much. We had Ken Anderson on. Um, We're going to take a a week off for Christmas. I might upload a show. I'll see you again the following week. Uh, Thanks again, Ken, um, for a great show, and I will talk to you soon. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Good night, everybody. Good night. night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.